From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The medical term is pectus excavatum. It's a birth deformity in which a person's breastbone is sunken into his or her chest. Surgery can correct this condition, and Upstate now has a surgeon who offers this corrective procedure. Dr. Jason Wallen, the Division Chief of Thoracic Surgery and the Medical Director of the Thoracic Oncology Program at Upstate, is here with me to talk about it. Welcome. Thank you. So do we know what causes this condition or why it's more common in boys than girls? Uh, We don't know exactly what causes it. We do presume that there's some genetic link to it because of the predilection for boys versus girls. And there is uh, a tendency for uh, increased incidence in siblings, but uh, we've never identified any particular gene or environmental factors that can lead to it. So it it tends to run in families or you see it in... It's not so much families in such a way that it's inherited, but you do see an in- increased uh, incidence in, in siblings. siblings. So a brother or sister is more likely to have it, um, but not necessarily in a parent or a child. Um, how common is it? Uh, it's pretty uncommon. Uh, it is the most one of the most common uh, heritable defects, um, but it's at about 1 to 500 or 1 to 1,000 births. Okay. Now, uh, does this deformity affect the heart and the lungs that are right beneath the breastbone? The most common complaint for patients with pectus excavatum is difficulty breathing, but it's not felt to be due to compression of the lungs as much as it is from compression of the heart. And as we all know, uh, heart trouble can cause people to have the symptom of difficulty breathing. Okay. So that's uh, one of the symptoms someone might have from this is difficulty breathing? It's, it's, it tends to be a, a, a difficulty breathing with exertion. So people will notice it as a decreased exercise tolerance. So, you know, they run and, you know, when we, when we run or exercise, we often get uh, shorter breath after uh, we've reached our maximum capacity. And uh, what these kids and young adults typically notice is that they're kind of behind the pack when it comes to what they can accomplish. So it would um, tend to impact their activity or their ability to be active. Yes. It could be. Um, and what about uh, self-consciousness? Would this affect? No, it's, it's a very common complaint. Uh, kids, especially boys, tend to be self-conscious in the, uh, when they're in the locker room. This is usually a much bigger problem in adolescence when, uh, when kids are first exposing themselves to their peers. Uh, younger kids uh, tend to be much less self-conscious about it and it tends to be more of the parents. Um, a lot of uh, people come to seek medical attention because of the cosmetics and uh, and even some women uh, actually undergo breast augmentation as opposed to repair of the actual deformity uh, to mitigate the cosmetic uh, problems of it rather than go through the chest wall reconstruction. Well, I want to talk about um, how that chest wall reconstruction is done. Um, but first of all, if, if a person's born with this indentation, is it going to stay that way or is it going to change or get better or worse over time? They don't typically get better over time. It's, uh, it's not something that... Uh, you grow out of. And so uh, they don't generally worsen either, um, but uh, particularly if it's pronounced, uh, you know, you can expect that you're going to notice that uh, for life. You know, more subtle defects as, uh, as people grow older and they become, sometimes they get, uh, get put on a little bit of weight, uh, or as women uh, mature and develop uh, breasts, then it can be less pronounced. Uh, but it's not really the defect itself, it's just that it's hidden by other anatomical features. 
So because of that, do you need to wait till after puberty to do any surgical correction? Or is there a prime time to do the surgery? Uh, there's not really from a medical perspective. Uh, there has been a shift in later years to doing more of these corrections in adolescence, um, but there's no clear uh, reason for that. Um, when, uh, in regards to the puberty question, when, when doing the surgery on females, you need to be a little bit more careful about where your incisions go so that you don't interfere with breast development. Um, uh, in, uh, in a prepubescent female and in a, uh, in, in a woman who already has breasts, uh, incisions that are placed inappropriately can cause scarring uh, in the mm -hmm. breast tissue, which can re uh, result in a deformity in the long term. So just something to be careful of. So talk me through how this surgery is done. So it's almost always uh, a minimally invasive repair. Uh, we utilize a procedure uh, called the NUS procedure, which involves placing a bar across the chest underneath the sternum to lift it up and uh, cause it to be uh, nearly flat or completely flat uh, as we would expect it to be. Um, it involves making two small incisions, one on either side of the rib cage uh, to allow the bar to be inserted and passed across in between the breastbone and the heart. And uh, the bar provides the structural support to push the sternum forward and, uh, and flatten it out. And that's left in, t in place uh, for generally between two to three years uh, to allow the bone and the cartilage to remodel in, uh, and, and, uh, and get its own structural support in what we would consider a normal anatomic configuration. So you don't have to cut through the breastbone itself, but you cut the ribs to get access to underneath? No, we, it actually goes between the between ribs. Between the ribs, oh, yep. cool. And so uh, the only uh, bone uh, surgery that actually uh, gets done is an act actually a new modification of the procedure to make the bar more stable is we make two small holes in the sternum uh, to pass sutures through to secure the bar to the underside of the sternum. One of the dreaded complications of the operation in the long term is that the bar can shift and, and potentially need to be replaced. And so uh, it's been found that placing these uh, sutures through the bone really is re quite a reliable way to keep the bar in position and avoid those complications. Kind of anchors it where it has to stay. Yep. So what's the bar made of? So typically the bar is made out of stainless steel. Um, which is the most common uh, material used. Uh, we do test patients for metal allergies uh, because uh, there's up to 14% of patients can have allergies to some of the uh, metals that, are, uh, that make up stainless steel, and that can be a, a cause for wound problems after the surgery. That can be quite frustrating. And in those patients who are identified with metal allergies, uh, we place titanium bars. Oh, titanium. So um, do they have to, does, does the body accept this sort of like foreign material being in it? So yeah, the, nobody really rejects quote unquote metal, um, but uh, the stainless steel uh, allergies or the metal allergies were a common cause for that myth. And uh, really what it is, is just the body uh, noticing that these things are foreign and, uh, and trying to attack it. Um, and so you get rashes and, and what appear to be wound infections from that. Um, with a titanium bar, then we don't see any of those problems because uh, it's much more inert. Uh, the problem with titanium is it's much, much more expensive. So we don't use it routinely. Only unless someone needs it. That's of right. Allergies. So um, is this, did this, was this additional training that you took to, 
to do this or is this part of becoming a chest surgeon you learn how to do this it is part of becoming a chest surgeon um as i mentioned there's already been you know some updates to the technique and so uh dr nuss himself who invented the procedure uh does you know give a course annually uh where uh, a number of his proteges come together to teach the new techniques they call it the advanced course and uh it's a two-day course uh which uh, people who are involved in this type of surgery often will go every few years just to make sure that they're providing the latest version uh, with all of the latest tricks and improvements. Um, how long does the surgery take? Surgery takes uh, usually about two hours to do. Okay. And is the person... Um Hospitalized after it's not an in and out procedure. They're, they stay in the hospital after. No, it is. Uh, it, it's uh, it's definitely a hospital procedure. The uh, typical hospital stay ranges from three to four days, and uh, we it it is the reason that people stay in the hospital is mostly because there is some soreness associated with popping the uh, the sternum and deforming that bone, and so uh, we utilize a number of different pain medications to try and make sure the patient is comfortable in the short term, and uh, and we need to do those things in. The hospital. Well, I was going to ask you what recovery is like, but it sounds like there's some pain control involved. Yeah, people are sore for a few weeks after the operation. It's much, much better than when it was an open procedure, but uh, it, people are definitely noticing the difference for, uh, for four to six weeks after surgery. Um, is there physical therapy that you have to do afterward or... No, uh, the patients are up and around without any difficulty afterwards, and there's no exercises that really help. It's just important to get up, get out of bed, move around, and get back into your life as, as quickly as possible. And that's one of the reasons we, we try to achieve a good level of pain control so patients, patients can return to normal activity quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, typically there's a, a, a four- to six-week period where you want to avoid uh, strenuous physical activity, you know, for adolescent you know, kids, we want to worry about impact sports, particularly because um, we don't want the bar getting dislodged. So after that four to six weeks, um, after they're recovered, can they go back to contact sports? Yep. Okay, neat. Um, now, are there any side effects or anything to be aware of or to be on the lookout for after the surgery from the, the patient's point of view? The main thing we worry about are wound problems. Uh, wound infections are rare, um, but uh, patients, you know, if any patients noticing redness or drainage from the incisions, you know, would want to report that to their surgeons immediately afterwards. And anytime pain gets worse, uh, it would certainly be a concern. Like so we expect people to be sore after surgery. We expect that to get better each day, uh, much, much faster earlier on than later. Um, but anytime there's a change, uh, then, then that's something that's very important to let the doctor know about. Uh, is there anything that would disqualify a person from having this surgery? Not really. Uh, there are things that make the surgery more difficult. And uh, some patients have had... Uh, various types of corrections before, and so redo operations are uh, are a little bit more hazardous than primary surgeries. And uh, the other uh, considerations are patients with connective tissue disorders like Marfan syndrome uh, or, or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, where uh, there are some additional modifications to the operation to make it more successful. Uh, are important. For example, placing multiple bars as opposed to one or two, somebody going as many as three, uh, can be important. Uh, and the last thing is uh, patients with scoliosis are, are uh, something to be wary of. Um, sometimes uh, scoliosis can be progressive, 
and and that can mod that can change the geometry uh, of the front of the chest as well as the back, and so having uh, a multidisciplinary approach with the spine surgeons to decide which of the deformities needs to be corrected first to make the second repair more successful mm -hmm. is important. Wow, well, so this is where um, the chest is sort of sunken. Do you ever see it the opposite? Yeah, uh, it's a much more unusual deformity. That's called pectus carinatum, uh, where the, uh, the the sternum actually pops out, and uh, that's actually easier to repair uh, in that it doesn't require an operation these days. Uh, generally, patients uh, wear a custom-made support brace uh, to push the sternum back down as opposed to pop it back out, and uh, the same sort of remodeling takes place, and uh, it's uh, surprising a comfortable brace and uh, patients wear it most of the day for uh, for a few months and then less and less often as time goes on and usually within a year or so uh, they don't need to wear it at all and uh, provides a, a, a great improvement. Uh, the downside is uh, that because it's strictly a cosmetic problem uh, then patients uh, almost invariably have to pay out of pocket for those types of therapies. Wow and and the uh, the one that we talked about with the sunken chest that's a medical situation that's it is medical as long as we can show that the heart has is suffering ill effects from the compression so there is some preoperative testing that is required uh, by the insurance companies to demonstrate a medical necessity okay neat well thank you so much for the information i appreciate you being here no, my pleasure my guest has been chest surgeon Jason Wallen, who's the Division Chief of Thoracic Surgery and the Medical Director of the Thoracic Oncology Program at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.